What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mill Spec Believer Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking special warfare pipelines, a cone survival guide. If you don't know what a cone is, it's a student in training, someone going through a pipeline who doesn't know anything. No, but for real, um, hopefully this episode can be helpful if you're interested in uh, one of the special warfare pipelines, uh, whether that's TACP, CCT, uh, PJ, uh, or any of the equivalent officer pipelines. Um, I just want to um, also say that if you're not interested in any of those, I really think this will all be applicable and still helpful uh, if you're pursuing anything, um, you know, in your life, uh, goal-wise, uh, that is not uh, just handed to you. Um, so any of those goals that take a while to achieve, um, I think a lot of uh, the tips shared in this episode will still be very helpful. So I'd encourage you to stay, even if you're not pursuing a pipeline. And if you are, then even more so. So awesome. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, one, uh, shot before getting into it. Um, it's been a while. Um, I've, I've been obviously on Instagram and on social media, uh, but haven't posted an episode in a little while. Uh, lots of life changes on my end. Um, we actually were doing foster care from January of last year until October um, of this past year. And yeah, I'll have to do maybe an episode dedicated just to some of that stuff, but um, definitely uh, felt like I didn't have room on the plate in order to uh, devote to Millspec Believer type episodes and everything. So hopefully going forward, I can uh, put out a little bit more, uh, but that's kind of uh, just the reasoning for uh, taking a break and kind of focusing on family stuff, focusing on job stuff, and yeah, just trying to survive. So here we are. Let's get into it. Uh, so here's the premise, right? So I, I reached out to uh, everyone on social media, uh, whether that was people in the pipeline or people who had completed the pipeline and asked for their greatest tip for those going into the pipeline. And uh, basically out of that message, I got a total of 15. I got a total of 15 tips uh, that I think would be super helpful for anyone in the pipelines or, again, anyone who's just trying to pursue a long-term goal. Um, obviously, um, I've been through the pipeline myself, so I'll, I'll throw in some of my own uh, encouragements as well. Um, but uh, these are going to be from the community as well as myself. And uh, just a little bit of my background, uh, it, if you're just joining, I'm a TACP officer. I'm currently at the Georgia Air National Guard in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, so I do that part-time and then full-time I have a, a real boy job um, working for MAG Aerospace Engineering. So that's me. Uh, background as far as pipeline goes, I completed the pipeline back in 2015. And then uh, I've been able to run the one-level program at the Georgia Air National Guard and, and really help try to help those candidates prepare for the schoolhouse, prepare for the pipeline. Uh, and then as well, I've gotten to go to TACP officer selection as cadre uh, and really just learn what those guys are trying to go for when they're trying to hire potential candidates. Uh, so hopefully anything I throw out here is helpful. Um, 
But with that, that said, let's get into it. So I tried to pair some of these together instead of going point by point for 15 points. I tried to pair the ones that were uh, similar together. So uh, points one through three will kind of be the first block. So point one, survival guide tip for you cones. Uh, have thick skin. Uh, be prepared to fail often and bounce back. Point two, from failure comes clarity. Use it to push yourself harder and succeed. And survival guide tip number three, have courage for the long haul. It is a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, let me start with this um, in regards to failure. Uh, the goal of the pipeline is not to see who is qualified. It is to grow those who have potential into operators. Um, your failures can either serve as growth or they can serve as uh, you digging a, a dark hole for yourself uh, to sit in. So um, you are going to fail. It's going to happen regardless of your career field, regardless of your passion or your goals, like you're going to fail. It's going to happen. Um, go YouTube, any kind of motivational speaker, they'll tell you failure is going to happen, right? So it is going to happen. The important thing is what happens once you fail, what's your mentality, what's your uh, recovery plan to get back after it. Um, for me, uh, the first uh, real failure I had in my pipeline experience came from uh, when I completed my first TACP officer selection. So finished the week, super pumped that I didn't quit, super pumped that I uh, finished it out. Thought I did okay. Um, I really didn't think I passed with flying colors and then obviously got the confirmer of that when uh, they gave me a non-select. So gave me a non-select, but invited me back. Uh, they said, hey, you did well physically. Uh, Leadership-wise, we just want to see you come back uh, grow a little bit and see if you can kind of take charge a little bit more. Um, and like, I'll be first to admit, like, dude, when I got thrown into the fire there, like I I did do well physically, but when they threw me in charge of like 20, 25 uh, other officer candidates and there's more uh, bombs going off and, you know, like jibs and all that sort of stuff, like, dude, it was a wake up call for me just being a, a little... ROTC cadet, right? Like I did not know what I was getting into and it showed. So, um, got to know, uh, and that was a really, really hard failure, um, uh, for me because it took a, a solid year before I went back, um, to my second selection and man, I went back and forth on what I wanted to do with my life. It was really tough. I, I thought about pursuing other careers, um, you know, I tried to absorb as, as much positivity as I could from the selection, you know, to be like, okay, well, whether I become a TACP officer or not, this was still growing for X or for Y, right? Um, so I tried to do a little bit of that, uh, lots of prayer, lots of trying to figure out where God was leading me. And uh, yeah, you know, ended up um, feeling led to go back to selection again. Um, at this time, this point I'm married, I've done a little bit of growing up as far as maturity and had a little bit more experience leadership wise, uh, both in my jobs and at, uh, school and at, uh, ROTC. So I feel like I was going to be able to go back and, and knock it out of the park. So 
went back to TACP officer phase two and uh, like that's what happened. It, it went really well. Um, you, you get a you get a little bit of a different look when it's your second time because those cadre know it's your second time. And they said that at the beginning. Um, they were like, hey, if this is your second time here, like just because you have an idea of what's going to happen, um, guess what? You're going to be judged even harder. Uh, so uh, <laughs> definitely freaked me out within the first five minutes of being there. Um, but no, it went really well. I got picked up, uh, definitely found myself, uh, more responsive in those leadership roles and able to, uh, do what I needed to do. Right. So I took that failure. I learned from it. I grew and I went back and it went well. So just from my experience, that was my first failure and it's tough. Like there, there's a lot in that, uh, a lot of, uh, hard conversations, uh, to talk through and figure out whether do I want to pursue this anymore or am I done? Right. Uh, but like that point number two said from failure comes clarity, use it to push yourself harder and succeed. So, uh, I really like that and, uh, definitely a solid tip for you dudes. So, uh, last point I'll make on this. When I went through the schoolhouse, it was five months long. Now we're talking about a two year pipeline for TACPs, uh, it, so kind of joining up with CCTs and PJs, uh, their pipeline has always been two years, but so now TACP's in the mix as well. We got two years all the way around. So two years is a long time. Uh, so that third point of have courage for the long haul, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like that's facts. Like two years is a long time to stay, uh, committed to a task, especially when it requires you to be all in every day. So Stay motivated. Um, I think reminding yourself it's a marathon, not a sprint, can help some of the heartache uh, as uh, you fail and you get back up again. So, all right, let's move on. So next three I got for you, points four, five, and six. Start with number four, don't get injured. <laughs> um, pretty self-explanatory. Number five, don't overtrain, especially on rucks. Allow proper recovery time. Point six, ice bath if possible. Yeah, don't get injured. This is huge. Uh, the biggest heartbreak, the biggest setback you can have while at the schoolhouse is to get hurt, whether it's rolling an ankle, whether it's um, stepping in a hole on a land nav, um, whether it's uh, shin splints or rhabdo. If you don't know what rhabdo is, uh, go Google it not fun. So in my experience, uh, I do have an example of this from my experience about getting injured and just being an idiot. Um, so leading up to my time at the schoolhouse, I I've already gotten selected from TACP officer phase two. Um, I'm waiting, right? I'm, I'm still in school waiting to graduate. And as soon as I graduate, I'm going to head to, uh, the pipeline. So I've been slacking, right? You know, I've already gotten picked up. I'm uh, being lazy a little bit. And I decided to do this tough workout basically to kick it into gear. So I, I decide, hey, you know what? I've been being super lazy. Let's crush this workout and get back into it. So the workout I decided to do was we lived about six and a half miles from the UCF gym uh, where I went to college. And uh, I decided it would be a good idea to run six and a half miles to the gym, do an upper body workout, 
and then run back home six and a half miles. It sounded stupid. It sounded hard and it sounded like a good thing to kick my butt into gear. Um, but I hadn't been, uh, training, uh, in the previous week. So really just an idiot for thinking this was a good idea. Um, but I did it right. So I, I ran to the gym. Uh, I was pretty tired by the time I got there, but it felt good. Did the upper body workout. You know, I'm pumped. I'm like, dude, I'm actually doing this. This is going well. Uh, and then those six and a half miles home just sucked. Like it was awful. Uh, I, I about died on the way home, especially in those uh, last two or three miles. I started feeling some major pain uh, in my in my knee uh, and in my ankles. So definitely, um, definitely jacked myself up. I, I finished the run and in my head, everything that had kind of been pounded into my head as far as like military workouts and stuff was like, never quit. Right. You know, like that's what's pounded into your head is never quit, never quit. So awesome. I didn't quit. Um, uh, but pain does not equal strength just cause you guys go out there and do like an insanely hard workout. Like if you're getting hurt by it, that's just stupid. Like don't go do a workout that hurts you. Um, it, example would be like when you're at the schoolhouse, there's going to be points where you run with a ruck on That's stupid. And that's going to hurt you. You shouldn't train for that by running miles upon miles with a ruck on your back, getting ready for the pipeline. You're probably going to have to do it in the pipeline, but I don't recommend doing it because it's not good for you and it's going to hurt you. Right? So, uh, in the same way, I didn't prepare for this wad, if you will, but I went out there and did it and I'm like all jacked up like this sucks, but this is awesome. I'm, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. I finished it and I ended up getting tendonitis between behind one of my knees and probably some form of shin splint as well because my ankles were killing me. Um, and dude, that injury bothered me the entire time I was at the schoolhouse. I remember being at the schoolhouse getting dry needled uh, because anytime we would do like a hundred plus air squats because that was the workout that the cadre loved was to either put us out a half squat or to have us just pump out like four count squats. Um, anytime we did that, man, that uh, behind my knee, that tendonitis just would tighten up and it sucked. So don't recommend getting injured. Uh, don't overtrain. Um, do things that make sense. And then that last point, ice bath if possible, right? Like recovery in general is what I'll kind of roll into that point. Um, dude, like I, I still remember, uh, being at cadre at TACP, uh, officer phase two and a dude shows up with a foam roller, right? He shows up with a foam roller, on the one hand, it's not on the packing list. So this dude gets like completely roasted, right? Like he gets roasted by the cadre. Like, what are you doing? Why did you bring this item? It's not on your list. And then I still remember the lead cadre was like, dude, good on him. Like, let him have it. I don't care. Like if he's going to do recovery, like he's about to get his butt kicked while he's here for five days, six days. So like if he wants to roll out, good on him. And all the other cadre, including myself, was like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Sweet. So, like, recovery, it's huge. And then especially at the pipeline, like, dude, those guys have award-winning facilities out there now. There's amazing recovery resources. 
Um, and then there's just the stuff you can do on your own, right? Like stretching, foam rolling, um, just all the things. So don't take recovery for granted. Otherwise that two years that we talked about, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't sprint your way through these injuries and just make it through this two year pipeline with injuries and just like tough it out, right? Like you might be able to make it through a field event, but over the course of two years, if you if you're not taking care of yourself, you're gonna get the boot just due to not being able to survive. Cool. So that's uh, points four through six. Let's go on. Next two I got from you is point seven. It's an individual achievement. Talking about finishing the pipeline with team support, follow instructions, and work. <coughs> And point eight, focus on being the best teammate, not the best performer. Do study groups so your team rises together. So I've talked about this in, I think, the episode two TACP uh, episode I put out a long time ago, but I'll just rehack it because I think it really applies here. Um, you guys are a team, and and your goal is to graduate, obviously, as an individual, but your goal should be for your entire class to graduate, right? We started with 60 guys on my team in the pipeline, and four of us graduated. There's a few more than four. I think we had eight, eight or nine, uh, but some of those were washbacks. But out of the original 60, four of us graduated, and I thought that was so cool. I thought I was awesome. Um, hey, I'm one of uh, four guys out of 60 who graduated without washing back thought that was sick but as time passed like I start seeing these teams of 25 or these teams of 30 graduating and I'm like dude how did that many dudes graduate um and I regret not pulling more dudes through with me not motivating more guys as a leader of my team like man like I wish I would have been more encouraging to some of the guys on my team instead of being like yeah let them quit like see ya like no, like be a better leader, encourage your team, work together and try to get as many dudes across that finish line as possible. Um, the only other thing I'll say to this is um, to that point, number eight, where it says focus on being the best teammate, not the best performer. Um only caveat I have to that is by being a better performer, that will allow you the bandwidth to help your team. Um, I, I still remember Cadre just being so frustrated. I, I was frustrated as Cadre at uh, TACP Officer Phase 2 when, when I would see dudes who looked like a soup sandwich helping other dudes during a ruck layout. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're not good to go. Like, why are you helping this guy? Like you literally are so behind right now. Um, and it's, it's true that if you are a better performer, both in PT or, or whatever task that'll give you more brain bites or more brand, uh, bandwidth to help your buddies. Um, so you got to square away yourself um, and then you can help your team, right? Um, I'm not talking about like taking a bullet for someone. I'm talking about like, if you're going to do a task, you are being depended on to complete your part. So you got to do that first before you help your buddies. Uh, but yes, all in all, being a teammate is important. Um, 
more important to be a good teammate than like crush everyone on the track and like finish a lap ahead of everyone, right? Like, no, go help your dudes. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, cool. Next two. Point nine and point ten. So point nine is do your research, know what you're getting into, and enjoy every moment because you prepared. Point 10, get into Air Force Special Warfare chats, groups, or communities in order to start connecting with others with similar goals. Uh, so that these two points really focus around preparing, right? Like what are you doing before you get to the pipeline um, research-wise and, and just under for your own understanding? And the biggest thing I can say here is to do your own research. Uh, are there amazing avenues out there like one's ready um or uh, some of these other chats like yes there's there's awesome resources out there even a recruiter can help answer a lot of questions but be your own person go look it up yourself go figure out exactly what you can figure out by yourself and then go follow up with questions to those resources right those resources only have so much time those resources only have so much people dedicated to this. So like, don't waste their time when it's something you can figure out yourself. But <clears throat> when you do find the time, you know, there's the one ready podcast. That's a great resource to listen to. Uh, and you can also reach out to those dudes individually and they're pretty helpful. Um, there's also an air force special warfare discord page, um, that's a great resource um, where all dudes who are getting ready to either ship out or who are in the pipeline, they're in that group. And it's motivating to be in there to ask your stupid questions sometimes and to um, get on the same page with like-minded people. Um, and then the final resource I'd say is is go to that recruiter, right? Like don't just sit in limbo forever on whether or not you're going to join because once you go to that recruiter, then you're going to have access to those development sessions um, that T3I puts on. Um, basically, you'll have a guy who works with that recruiter who's more than likely a former operator, and they're going to know the criteria for uh, the pipeline physically. So they're going to put you through what they call development sessions. And those are great things to kind of kick you in the butt and actually understand what you're about to get into. Sweet. All right, point 11, 12, and 13. Start with 11. When it gets hard, just tell yourself to make it to the next meal. Point 12, focus on what's in front of you, not the future. And point 13, go in having a why. You join for a purpose. Never forget it and use it to fuel your morale on rough days. Right. So some of your research that we talked about on that last point should turn into a why, right? Like, why do you want to be here? Why do you want to be a TACP? Why do you want to be a CCT or a PJ? Like, if you don't have a deep or a, a strong why, then like when it gets tough, you're going to quit, right? Like, I think we're all pretty familiar with this and like the importance of that. Um but like when when the flame comes out and you you are wanting to quit like 
man, you really start having some hard conversations with yourself. Like, do I, do I really want to be here? Um, and it's tough. Uh, one of my, my buddies who I had been training with in college for, uh, TACP officer phase two were at TACP officer phase two together. So on the one hand, super motivating, right? I got this dude who I've been training with. We're like crushing it together. Uh, we get back from this like miserable, uh, uh, day nav, um, out in the woods. And he comes up to me, we're, we're in the tent, right? We're refitting, getting ready to go back out with the cadre in about like 10 minutes. And, uh, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey dude, I I think I'm going to quit. Like, I don't really want to be here. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I just don't really want to be here anymore. And like, for me, like that dude, I'm like, dude, totally cool, man. Like you do you, like, I get that, like no harm, no foul. This dude was like a stud, uh, physically. So like, like I knew like physically, like he was crushing it more than I was. Um, but mentally it just wasn't what he wanted. So he, he bailed. Right. And dude, that hit hard, like throat clenching, right? Like I got 10 minutes to sit here and like figure this out. Like, dude, my, my dude is leaving. How, how am I supposed to stay? Um, why do I want to be here? Right? Like, uh, I got a wife and kid at home or I I got a wife at home at this time. I'm like, do I want to be here? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Right. And, and I really had to pull back to my why in, in order to push through that moment. Um, so like 13 said, like you join for a purpose, never forget it and use it to fuel your morale on rough days. Um, your dudes, your friends, like uh, eventually they might quit. So what self-motivation do you have to push through? Um, uh, one other, uh, one other example, um, in regards to the comment when it says just focus on what's in front of you, not the future. Uh, This is a huge, important tip um, not to view the two-year pipeline for what it is and not to even view the entire day for what it is, right? Like go like evolution to evolution. An example of this was we did our 12-mile ruck uh, at the TACP schoolhouse. This is kind of like your, your graduation ruck, if you will, but it's by no means like you finish the ruck, you graduate. In fact, you finish the ruck and you go immediately into a field event, like a five or six day field event. So we do our 12 mile ruck. Um, we end up finding out after the ruck that the instructors um, told us the wrong weight, right? We have way too much weight in our ruck, apparently. Um so that's great. Uh, we have our entire field loadout in our ruck, which is way too much weight. Um, I, th- I forget what the required weight was for the 12 mile ruck, uh, standards wise, but like we had way more than that. And they like, they like laughed about it afterwards. Like, Oh dude, our bad. Um, <laughs> which sucks, right? Like that was tough, but on the 12 mile ruck, I was dying. Um, the way it worked was if you were in the front of the ruck, you had the guide on, right? Uh, you would have your team guide on and I always tried to be in the front of the ruck. So I had the guide on, um, if you didn't have the guide on, you would have a weapon. Um, and the way it was supposed to work, it worked like this on all of our other rucks. If you took the lead, someone would hand you 
their weapon and you would take the guide on, if that makes sense. Like you would swap, you would swap. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, a dude on our team, the cadre was pretty frustrated at, um, it, something happened and it just didn't work that way. And so at some point during the 12 mile ruck, um, about two or three miles in, I got handed the guide on with my weapon. So here we are. I'm, I'm leading the ruck, which is great, but now I have a guide on and a weapon and all this extra weight that the cadre decided to have us have. And it sucked like legs starting to cramp around like mile, like nine or, or 10. And I'm like, dude, I have two miles left and I have an entire field event in front of me, like where we're going to walk even more. Like I can't even make it through this 12 mile ruck right now. I'm about to die. Um, but when you just focus on the event in front of you, you know, like, okay, I just finished this, finish this mile, right? Like finish mile nine and keep my legs from locking up. And then I'll, I'll worry about mile 10. Right. So like, that's the kind of mentality you got to have going into some of these evolutions because they suck and they push your body and your body starts to break. And that's what happened. I finished mile nine, my leg cramp started to ease out a little bit, finish mile 10, 11, and then 12, and then finish the ruck, right? Refit, went right into field. Um, everything went fine, but there was a moment on that ruck where, where I felt like quitting because of the task, the task in front of me, right? It wasn't just a 12 mile ruck. It was a field event associated and like, you got to break it into bite-sized pieces. Otherwise it's pretty hard mentally to try to stay motivated. Cool. All right. Um, last two I got for you points, 14 and 15 be coachable and remember that the job is worth it. And then point 15, be fit, leave your ego at the door, stay humble and play the game. Um, so there's a lot there. Um, but I love the, the saying of be coachable. I think this is one of the greatest attributes you can have as an operator or someone going through the pipeline is to be coachable. Um, I would much rather have someone with little talent, but someone who's eager to learn and someone who can figure it out, um, and make that person attack P or make that person a PJ or a CCT, right? Like that person is going to be someone who can acquire new skills and who can learn instead of just being someone who shows up like, yeah, I got this. I'm good to go. Um, <clears throat> I am a little biased. This is something my dad really tried to like teach me growing up was to be coachable. Um, and, uh, I, I had a really good proving ground to try to figure this thing out. Um, just the way, uh, things went in my childhood, we ended up moving every year from middle school through my graduating of high school. Um, so every year from middle school on, I went to a new school and I loved football. That was my sport. I loved playing it. Um, unfortunately, every single year from middle school on, I got a new set of coaches, a new set of teammates, a new set of friends, um, a new playbook to learn. Um, and every time I started at the back, right? Like, okay, well, there's 
uh, I played tight end and defensive end. It's like, okay, well, there's two or three dudes in front of you. You just showed up, dude. So cool. I'm in the back. I'm last string. Uh, and usually when we had move, it would be in the springtime. So I'd have four or five months to figure it out and try and make the starting lineup. And it happened every year. Every year I was able to um, figure it out, meet my coaches, meet my friend, my new teammates, and learn the playbook, um, learn what these coaches wanted, um, and push through it, right? Like it worked out. I was able to be coachable and I was able to start every time. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. This was something my dad was really trying to push um, and teach me. And it was helpful. And I think it applies to the pipeline. Like we are always handed new capabilities or new equipment that we're expected to figure out. Right. And um, that's going to happen in the pipeline when you're given new tasks you're not familiar with. And it's going to happen when you're already attack PPJ or CCT. It's going to happen all the time. So I think it's a really good quality to have. And I think it's something that they really try to weed out when you're at the schoolhouse or the pipelines is, is this dude someone who thinks he's a complete product right now? Cool. Go, go be a complete product somewhere else, right? Like that's kind of the mentality of cadre when they find someone who's prideful or, or someone who thinks they have it all figured out. Um, the other thing, um, the comment uh, or tip number 15 at the end there, it says play the game, right? <clears throat> I think sometimes you can get, uh, on the one hand, you can either get sucked in to the game so hard at, at the schoolhouse or at the pipelines to where you're so stressed out at what the cadre is going to do next that you don't function properly, right? You're like way over reading into it. Um, or on the other end, you just don't take it seriously and you're like, dude, screw this. This is stupid. Like, I'm not taking this seriously, right? And like, it's really helpful to have a, a even headspace with that. On the one hand, don't take it uh, too seriously because you literally are just getting yelled at by a, someone who is either your age or just a little bit older than you. Sure, they have some combat experience probably, but it just it just doesn't even matter. Like this isn't a huge deal. Calm yourself down. But on the other hand, don't take it so chill that you end up getting yelled at for not taking it seriously. Um, so find that middle ground. Uh, and then finally, um, that comment on point 14 said the job is worth it. At some point in that two-year pipeline, it can feel pretty worthless to finish the pipeline because it just feels like, dude, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to do pits, uh, PT or, or any of this garbage. Like I don't want to do that for 20 years, but that's just the pipeline guys. Like that's the route to the show, right? Like the career fields themselves are awesome. And I try to remind guys that whenever I talk to them, if they're in the pipeline is like, dude, the job is worth it. Like it is awesome. I love being a TACP officer. It's the best job I've ever had. It's so fun. It's um, very rewarding. <clears throat> so it's worth it. Um, and try to focus on that when you can. Try to find uh, some things you can do to remember that while you're in the pipeline. Cool. All right. Well, that gets us through our 15 points. Um, as I transition here a tiny bit um, to the Christian walk and how I'm going to tie this in, uh, hang with me. Um, when you're at the schoolhouse, 
um, there's this mentality or when you're in the pipeline, there's this mentality. And that mentality is, is to do it right. And if you're wrong, you will get smoked, right? I think we've all, um, if, if you're in the pipeline, you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you mess something up, like prepare to like pay the cadre with getting smoked, right? With PT or, or whatever other tasks they want to give you. And I think sometimes in the Christian walk, we can bring that same mentality into the Christian walk of if I do something right, I will get praised. And if I do it wrong, I will get smoked, right? Um, here's the best example I can give of this. Um, when we look at Noah and we look at um, everything that happened with the flood, um, let's look at Genesis 6, 9, okay? So Genesis 6, 9, this is right before the flood happens. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, right? So we get this introduction to Noah. It says he's righteous. It says he's blameless and that he walked with God. And then God says everyone on the earth aside from Noah's family is evil. And then he kills them all, right? They're all dead um, through the flood. And so as a kid, what I took from the story as a young Christian child was, okay, I need to be good. Otherwise, I'm going to get wiped off the face of the earth. Um, it starts the story telling you who Noah is. He's righteous, he's blameless, and he gets to live, right? Um, but let's, let's skip to the New Testament. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 11 through 18 real quick. It says... None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So we see Genesis 6-9. We see Noah, who's righteous and blameless. And then we get this picture at the beginning of Romans chapter 3. None is righteous. So, so how can we have both, right? Like, how can Noah be claimed righteous and blameless? And, and yet we're here looking at Romans chapter three and it says none are righteous. Uh, I think the same thing happens with Job, right? I'm not going to, I don't have the scripture in front of me, but the same thing happens with Job. Like God dotes on Job in front of Satan to say, have you considered Job? Like he is righteous. Um, and we do the same thing like, oh, well, Job is really good, right? Noah was really good. Um, but then we see this picture in Romans 3, and no, actually none are righteous. So, so how can this be? And if we get further down the chapter of Romans 3, then we, we get the answer. So this is the importance of context, right? Like we can't just read Noah's one verse. He's righteous. Hey, everyone go be righteous, right? Like how do we achieve that? Well, let's look down in Romans 3, uh, verse 21 through 26. 
But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God, here it is, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption. This is it, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation for his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Was Noah righteous? Yes. Was Noah blameless? Yes. Was that due to his own works? No. That was due to Christ, period. Your standing before God is 100% because of Christ. If you are a believer, if you trust in God as your Lord and Savior, then he is that. He is your Lord and Savior. You cannot add favor to yourself with good works. You cannot add um, judgment to yourself with sin. You are saved. All your sins are paid for. And it's just an important reminder, um, like I said, like that schoolhouse mentality, right? Like do it right, and if you're wrong, you're going to get smoked. Like don't bring that to the Christian walk. Don't bring that to your life and feel like, oh, I'm on this thin tightrope and I got to do it perfect. Otherwise, God's going to hit me with a hammer, right? Like Noah was righteous. Noah's, Noah was blameless and he got to survive the flood because of Christ, because of the completed work that Christ would come and do eventually, right? Noah was deemed righteous. I think uh, the important verse from Genesis 6-9 is that Noah walked with God. That's the end of that verse. And that's where his righteousness and his blamelessness come from is that he had a relationship with God, right? Because um, what do we see after the flood? Immediately after the flood, Noah sins and he gets drunk and his son sees him naked and there's shame there. So in that moment, God, God wasn't like, oh no, I've made a mistake by saving Noah. He's a sinner. No, God knows that Noah is a sinner, but he saved him, right? And in the same way, you and I are gonna mess up you and I are going to sin, but we are saved and our righteousness is from Christ, period. Now, that righteousness that we, um, we have from Christ, that does give us the strength to go obey. God does use that to sanctify us, to give us uh, fruit, right? Like no one's saying, hey, you can just sit in your sin forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? Like, if you're saved, there will be fruit, but it's after. It, it's an outpour of the gospel. It's not you trying really, really, really hard. It's actually just the gospel gives you peace. The gospel is so amazing that then these works flow out of that, right? Um, so I hope that makes sense. I hope that's encouraging. Um 
yeah, I miss talking to you guys, miss being on there doing episodes. So, uh, hit me up on social media, hit me up. Um, however, and, uh, look forward to talking to y'all. Uh, I'll, I'll post those, uh, cone survival guide tips, uh, in the notes so you can review those. Um, but yeah, guys love you guys and I will talk to y'all soon. See ya.